You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join in the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. We're excited to bring you Straight Talk, Real Presence Live. This is your opportunity to share your questions, your comments on topics relating to the faith or on things happening in the world around us with our local hosts and priests. You can call us right now at 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122. Or you can also send your questions or comments to us on Facebook. Some people uh, like to uh, ask the questions, but they don't want to necessarily be on the radio. (laughs) Who can blame them? (laughs) And so you can also uh, call that number and just leave your question with the operator there, or you can uh, message on Facebook. Again, the phone number is 877-795-0122. Father Daniel Weiske is standing by to answer your questions. I'm uh, Deacon Dan Goshi. And so uh, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. All right. Let's see what... uh, um, we have uh, um, uh, a, fa- uh, a question that came to us on Facebook. How do we know the Catholic faith is the one true religion above all others? Well, thank you for the question. I think there are many ways that we can answer this question. But what comes to mind for me is, first of all, faith is a gift. And it's a gift that's planted in our mind that itself brings a a certain confidence or certainty. So it is a gift. And if we receive it and we we enter in and we are open uh, with sincere heart, seeking the truth, the the Holy Spirit will guide us into a deeper place of certainty. Uh, But as you study the faith, you start to look at questions, how, you know, we compare things. There are so many different religions in the world. There are even, you know, so many different branches of Christian faith. what I always marvel at is the beauty of the Catholic faith. When you, when you study all Christian traditions and you see how everything in the Catholic faith fits together, that there are so many little pieces that come together, together as a coherent whole. Kind of like, you know, you can have many shards of glass uh, maybe jumbled in a bin, but when you assemble them all together into a beautiful stained glass window, uh, you know, a rose window, you see this splendor and this coherency that say, yes, this is right. Uh, there are so many ways to, to approach the question, but I think one of the things that we have that, that desire and the gift of faith placed in our heart, then it's a matter of saying now is almost just kind of checking that gift. Is this true? Is this, you know, are there any holes in it? Do I see any places that's now coherent? And when we study that, you know, we I would confidently say that we can say that no, we're not going to find holes or, or inconsistency in it as we might in some other um, forms of teaching. But um, Jesus Christ is the one that came to reveal the Father and to found his church. One thing that um, I think is a, a crucial element of understanding the Catholic faith as the true faith um, is looking back to where does it come from? Where does it come from? What is its source? Mm-hmm. Uh, Well, of course, Jesus Christ, Jesus who was born uh, for us, Jesus who grew up in Nazareth. Historically, there's no doubt that he existed. Uh, The claim that requires faith is that he rose from the dead and then uh, ascended into heaven and sent the Spirit. So um, he sent out his apostles after the Spirit came, 
And the question is, can we trace our faith back to those very apostles who were commissioned by Jesus himself? I think that's one of the greatest sources of confidence in the Catholic faith. When we look back, uh, we can see that our church goes back generation by generation to the apostles who themselves were chosen by Jesus Christ. This is called the apostolic succession. Apostolic succession. Um, from the apostles, they chose bishops who then further chose and consecrated bishops, and they chose and consecrated bishops. There's this unbroken chain passing on the authority, passing on the faith. Uh, and that's the source of the apostolic authority for our own bishops and, and our pope. So that historical connection, apostolic succession, is really a vital link, a vital piece of evidence for our confidence in the Catholic faith, uh, along with its coherency and its richness and its beauty. It's one of the uh, phone numbers, 877-795-0122. That's 855-795-0122. I'm sorry, it's 877-795-0122. Seven's the perfect number. It's spelling and math are my three worst subjects. Um, it, it reminds me a little bit of my, my wife's journey to the Catholic faith, because when we were married, uh, well, we are married. We are married. You are married. Yes, we're still married. <laughs> But she, uh, for 25 years of our marriage, she would come to Mass, but she wouldn't quite say the word Catholic Church in the mm -hmm. in the Apostles' Creed. She didn't quite, you know, buy into this, why is this bread the Eucharist for you and not for the other guys? And, and you know, there were, there were some things that, that she didn't, she couldn't wrap her arms around. And I didn't have the, the academic ability to teach her because I never questioned these things in my life and so I didn't have to to dig into them and delve into them um, and when we went into formation for me to become a deacon she she came along and she was not Catholic at that time and for a couple of years in the program she was she was not Catholic but it was what you talked about the apostolic succession she's a very academic person and and studies you know facts and history and things and it was the teachings about what the apostles did and what happened after the apostles in the early church, that's when she looked at it and said, I get it now. Now I see that this is the this is the true the true church. Are you are you gonna invite a guest in, Father? I was thinking let me just give that number again. Well first of all, Julie's listening. Up, Hi Julie. Oh she's not. That's we'll why I can Julie. tell this story okay. freely. Okay. Uh eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. That's eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Or on Facebook yeah. you can ask your question. You know, so ahead, many Father. that I know that have entered the faith or renewed their commitment to the Catholic faith have come in when they're in when their obstacles intellectual, that it's it's that truth that's really convinced them. Mm -hmm. You know, Dan, who's on the program earlier, is still standing by. And I know that was part of his journey, too. And I wonder, Dan, if you'd like to share about, about that. Yeah. I'm sorry. i gotta got to give him some juice here. Go ahead. How about now? Here, go ahead. Here I am. We're in formation, too. Radio formation. Yeah, we're learning. I am. Which button does that? Okay. <laughs> The apostolic succession for me actually was kind of the linchpin. So I was born into a born and raised in a Catholic family, and it wasn't until I'm in my twenties um, that I actually had uh, a recognition that I don't want to do this because it's just how I was raised. Mm -hmm. And to that point in my life, we went to mass on Sunday because this is it's just what we did. And um, I had no conviction of um, 
this is really the the church that Jesus founded. And so when I discovered, I started asking the questions of why aren't we Methodist or Buddhist or Muslim or Baptist and why why Catholic? And when I discovered what uh, Father uh, had referred to as apostolic succession, this idea that even your ordination, uh, that you were ordained by a bishop, uh, Bishop uh, Serba, who was ordained a priest and a bishop by another bishop, and that bishop was ordained a priest and a bishop by another bishop, and that, do you, do you get it? Mm-hmm. Should I yeah. keep going? No, I'm a couple, I'm, a couple more. <laughs> I've studied it since then. I've studied it since then. I think I got it. Thank you. I could all do two more for <laughs> okay, you. Okay, good. <laughs> but so this I, this idea that um, the the priesthood has its roots in Jesus and the apostles themselves, mm-hmm. and that there's no place else that has that. When I discovered that, uh, that I was actually all in at that point, mm-hmm. and. Um, so that really was kind of the the linchpin for me, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. this idea of apostolic succession and the church having its roots in the apostles and Jesus. Right. Right. And myself, too. I would say before I had the um, deepening conversion and the openness to enter the seminary, a crucial stepping stone was that conviction that there's this apostolic authority. You know, I, I guess you could say I grew up in a time where the message generally was, you know, most religions are fine, they're all the same. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, Christian groups are about the same. It doesn't really matter which path you take. Uh, not that, that was not my family's message to me, but that, right. that's all around that's us. Society, so you, yeah. you know, you wrestle with it in your mind. And you wonder, especially, isn't it arrogant to claim, well, I think this is the right path? Uh, so wrestling with that was really crucial to committing to seminary and say, I'm going to go on this path that's <laughs> it's all about claiming this is the truth and I'm going to give my life for it. But the fact that in all the conflicting claims of, especially among you know, different Christian groups, you know, well, which one is true? There, there mm-hmm. really has to be one that, that God doesn't contradict himself. You know, if God is truth, he's not going to have, uh, he's not going to contradict himself. You know, the same thing has to be, um, the teaching has to be consistent. So uh, looking into this, well, where's the source then of this unity? Where, who's going to arbitrate? Who's going to be the source of making a decision when there are competing claims? And if it's just up to us, or it's just up to Scripture alone, there, there is no source of unity. You know, Scripture alone, you obviously each of us sit at the table, we might take a different meaning from a certain passage if we read it in our own uh, context, just without reference to uh, the broader church. Um, even different little communities will interpret things uh, in different ways. You thought, you know, ethical life now, uh, sexual morality, you know, Christian groups believe very different things. Where's the unity? Um, so that was crucial for me to say, okay, there's this one place that we can look. And well, it's not just now that the Lord won't contradict himself, but over time, it's not like the truth changes. Mm-hmm. We might more have a deepening understanding of it, but the truth itself is not going to change. So um, where am I going to find that consistent source? And ultimately it led, it led to saying, well, Christ Jesus chose Peter as uh, the head, mm-hmm. as the rock on which he built the church, and he was given the authority, you know, the keys of the kingdom. And that was passed on then in succeeding generations to the successor of Peter to the popes. Ultimately there is some source to arbitrate those discussions and, and decide the teaching. 877-795-0122 for your questions on Straight Talk with Father Daniel Weiske. Um, but but that you, you talk about the truth, Father, and you talk about uh, St. Peter um, being the, you know, g- given that, that leadership role in the church. 
And there are denominations that say, no, that's not what happened. And there are denominations that say, yes, that is what happened. And so here's the thing. It can't be both. Did it or didn't it happen? Mm -hmm. And so there is a truth. It isn't, you know, whatever you think is good for you, whatever I think is good for you. There is an actual truth. Jesus is the truth, you know, the way, the truth, and the life. And so um, it's important, I think, for people to investigate that. Because oftentimes we say, well, we don't know the truth, um, so, you know, I disagree with what you're what you're saying. Well, shouldn't we find out? I mean, to whatever extent we can, shouldn't we find out what that truth is, and and who has the authority to to determine that? Right, and that's what our minds are wired for. That's what our hearts long for. That's what the Lord has placed within us uh, to seek that truth. And we're and we're going to be dissatisfied completely. We're going to be restless until we seek and find that truth. St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless, O Lord, until they rest in you. Mm-hmm. That's the Lord who said of himself, I am the truth. So uh, truth and love are connected together. And if we don't seek the truth, there will be no peace in our lives. That's right. true. Right. And Dan talked about that earlier when he talked about, you know, your vocation and finding out what it is that, that God wants you to do. That's when mm-hmm. you're going to be happy. So. Neither of us would be here. No, not, none of the three of us would none be here, of us if, we would be here if we hadn't had that conviction. Right. And, and of course, you know, there's a certain amount of arrogance that people will say, you know, oh, you guys think you have the one true faith. And, well, would I practice it if I didn't? Mm-hmm. If I thought, well, mine is probably second or third. <laughs> I'm happy there. You know what I mean? <laughs> who, who would say, you know, go for the bronze? I mean, that's right. not our motto. It's like, right. what's, you know, I, I, I want the truth. I wouldn't practice something that I thought was close. I want to practice something that I'm sure is right. Right. And it's a good reminder, a good moment to mention you know, St. Peter's words to us, First Peter 3.15, that, you know, we should give witness to the truth. We should do that, but with gentleness and reverence to those who have their scruples and doubts. So we call that to mind, too, um, that, that we need to testify with gentleness and reverence, but still with confidence. 877-795-0122 is a number to call. We do have a, a listener question, not on the phone for us, but um, you prayed for the men who began Exodus 90 on Monday. And the question is, I guess, two-part. First, Deacon Dan, are you doing Exodus 90? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't laugh yet. (laughs) Yes, you are. And second, how important is it for men to leave the bonds of slavery and be free to live uh, true masculinity? Um, To answer the first question, no. I am not doing Exodus 90. (laughs) I have pondered it, and I have prayed about it, um, but I have also been uh, advised... To continue pondering and praying before you jump into this. So I'm, I'm in that state where I've heard about this for a number of years, and I look at it from time to time, and I'm thinking, I'm not sure this is what... I want to know what God wants me to do. I'll do it if, he, if I feel like that's what God wants me to do, right? right. I'm going to pursue the truth. Um, right now, I don't feel like he's asking me to do that. He's asking me to do other things, but uh, not this. So I'll let you answer the second half of that question. How important is it for men to leave the bonds of slavery and uh, be free to live true masculinity. Let me give me that phone number one more time first before you answer, Father. It's 877-795-0122. Well, I would say to leave the bonds of slavery, well, how important is that? How important is your salvation? You know, right. How important is finding and following the narrow way to uh, lead yourself to eternal life? Um, but Exodus 90, if you're not familiar with it, uh, just to give you some general outlines of the program. It started a few years ago. There was, uh, like Dan Johnson, in fact, a former seminarian who was inspired to um, begin this, uh, I'll call it program. And 
It's something that men are, are meant to come together in a fraternal group and meet weekly and engage in prayer and ascetical practices and in fraternal support. And and I'm not a spokesman. I, I may miss some things here, but uh, many ascetical practices is meant to discipline the body and free men from the attachments, the slaveries of things like constant electronics. You're swiping down in your phone, constantly checking, you know, ESPN or. Um, Always, you know, you go home and you flip on the TV mm-hmm. and you see what's what's happening uh, in the world right away, and you know, ignore your family. Uh, so it's meant to help men together to grow in freedom and discipline, so that they can better pay attention to uh, their mission, which is to find their own salvation, but also to lead others, especially if they have a family, to lead their family in the path of salvation. Uh, there are so many obstacles, so many threats, so many challenges to us. This is just meant to help them in the battle. Um, but one of the key things is really that they come together uh, and support each other on mm-hmm. this path. So there's supposed to be a weekly meeting. There's also cold showers. Yeah, that doesn't... See, right there, I'm thinking God's not asking me to take a cold shower right now. <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong. <laughs> w- wants me to put down the donut, I'm sure. But <laughs> Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Yeah, if I hear that call, I'm in there. I'm... <laughs> I'm but I have it on good authority that it doesn't have to be a frigid, like your muscles are seizing and you're having uh, convulsions in the shower, but just uncomfortably cold. Shower. Yeah, having convulsions right here. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two is a number to call. We have a phone call. Oh, a surprise guest from the oh, diocese no. of Duluth. You know this guy, right? <laughs> Father Father Rich, well, how are you doing? Hey, Father Daniel, Deacon Dan, congratulations on your maiden voyage on Real Presence Live. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to hear you guys. I'm out driving around anointing people, and I'm listening to you two yahoos on the on the uh, radio. And it's like Welcome totally aboard the Titanic. Well, if you want to know someone that yeah, was yeah, all about yeah. the popes, ask Father Rich. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, there you go. I, actually, I've got a papal question. You were talking about apostolic succession. Why don't each of you tell me who your favorite pope is? Oh, that's hard. Is it? Yes. Is it? Hmm. Hmm. There's some that I know less than others, but I love... Father Father Rich called mostly because he knows that sometimes we don't get a lot of input, and he wanted to participate in the show, <laughs> and in the process, take us down if possible. So, <laughs> mark, mark, so. mark my words, that you, and I, I tell uh, Brandon this all the time, and Eli, is that you'll get a whole bunch of questions at the end of the segment. Yeah, yeah, we're there. It's happening <laughs> now. It's happening yeah. now. Yeah. Well, well I'll All right, answer, I'll get off the air. But- Oh, no, thanks, Father Rich. Thank you, Father Rich. Good to hear from you. Well, you know, uh, St. John Paul II certainly is a candidate for my favorite pope, mm-hmm. and he was the pope when I was born, in fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, it was the time of his death that really was the time of my, I'll say, deepening conversion that opened me to the seminary, at which time I went home from, I remember that now, that uh, the fall before the pope's death was the time I really opened and went home to visit Father Rich, who was our vocation director, uh-huh. and for my dad's ordination. Oh, yeah. But John Paul II just had that, that radiance and that, that um, he kind of had, like, he gave people courage through his nerve and through his tenacity and through his peace. I just, I'm so inspired by his early life, um, growing up in... Uh, when he lost his mother at a young age, mm-hmm. and then both of his siblings through uh, early death, and um, then under the Nazi regime, having to mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. live underground and try to fight, um, you know, we'll say the cultural battle, um, and really finding his vocation in the midst of that crucible of uh, the Nazi occupation of Krakow and Poland. And, and then we know the rest of his life, it's more public, but it's so inspiring. Mm-hmm. But person to per- Benedict XVI, of course, yeah. I love uh, dearly. Sure. Uh, just such wisdom and 
in his writing. It's so clear. Mm-hmm. And he, the questions I had, again, at that time of conversion, looking into his writings, um, the questions that I wrestled with, especially about the, how do I find the truth? How can I really claim or under, believe that this path is the truth? Isn't that er- He answered questions so directly. He just got to the heart of things. Mm-hmm. That's what I found and appreciated about him. And then meeting him in person, a couple of occasions, just his very gentle and uh, I, I saw a joyful spirit just just radiating from him. I don't know. That's not the stereotype mm-hmm. of Benedict the Sixteenth. Right. That's what right. I saw right. in Benedict the Sixteenth. Okay. I think I would I'd probably go between a contemporary as well, either Paul the Sixth or John Paul the Second, and mm-hmm. for for similar reasons. But I want to get to this phone call if I can. Uh, our phone number is eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two, and David is in Mitchell, South Dakota. Hello, David. Hi. Are you with us? How are Hello. you doing? Oh, just another beautiful day. It's a beautiful. Are you, are you getting some snow too, David? Uh, no snow, but she's a little chilly today. A little chilly out there. All right. So you have a question about uh, uh, knowing God's will. Um, uh, do I understand you're a recovering drug addict? That is correct. All right. Well, congratulations. We're uh, we're we're um, uh, all uh, as as the Church of God. We are all um, struggling with with something, and I am very proud of the of the steps you've taken. And your question is. About knowing God's will for your life, is that right? Correct. Mm-hmm. So, knowing God's will for your life, what what are you um, exploring? How to know His will for your life? Are there ways that you've uh, um, been seeking His will, or particular question you have? Well, I guess you know. I'm just trying to figure out how to know. <laughs> what it is, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that's part of the program is, you know, you're supposed to turn your will in your life over the care of God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know what my will does. I've lived that for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to figure out what his will is, I guess. I'm not yeah. Catholic, so. Okay. Well, I'd say, you know, the first thing is, uh, David, have hope because the, the first sign of of being on the right path is that you have this desire to know His will. That itself is a sign of God's working in your life. Uh, that's itself a sign that you're on the path with the Lord, uh, that you have this desire to know His will. So have great hope. Um, then I'd say this, the, the, the asking, the seeking, the knocking, if you will, um, asking to know His will. You know, Continue to ask each day. Uh, pray for that guidance that you need. Um, just a simple petition made in faith is a powerful thing. Uh, each of us here, I think, could testify uh, the Lord helped us in times when we didn't know his will, and we had to pray, and you know, we had the, the help of others, as I, I would assume, each of us helping guide us in our lives. And uh, So you know, pay attention to those signs, too. Are there people that are helpful in your life that are giving you good advice? Um, and listen to them, too. But... In terms of discerning God's will, I think that daily prayer is really key. You know, there's things that you know you need to do and need to change. It's just obvious, you know, okay, avoid this, you know, do that, you know. Um, you know, the things that would lead you into, um, you know, relapse, yes, you know, avoid those. Do the things that, that help you on a human level. That's important. Some things we just know using our mind, just using our reason. Um, God's will is that we be... Um, um, free from those attachments that drag us down. Um, 
but also prayer. And if you can find a, a spiritual guide, that that's a helpful thing too to meet with occasionally mm-hmm. uh, a priest, or uh, if you're in a, a you know if you have a minister in your faith that you uh, belong to, uh, to have someone to journey with you is very helpful. Um, sometimes even. I found when I'm the directee, mm-hmm. uh, I'm talking, and all of a sudden, because I'm talking with someone else that's listening, things become clear, even if it's just me talking. Sure, um, sure. Occasionally, the director has something helpful to say, but to find a companion on the journey is very helpful. Uh, you know, and I was thinking for, for David, too, you know, sometimes um, we seek for God's we seek God's will in, in the big questions, like, you know, am I supposed to be a priest? Am I supposed to get married? Uh, what what job should I, you know, I mean, sometimes we, we look at, ask the big questions, and those are good. But there are some very, very momentary questions, too. Am I in God's will right now? If you're driving, are you driving safely? God wants you, if you're in a car right now driving, he wants you, whoever's listening driving, he wants you to drive safely. Get to your destination safely and respectfully and follow the rules of the road. That's God's will for right now, perhaps, for, for some people. For some people, it's, I just want you to listen to this radio program right now. That's all I'm asking right now. So don't always look for God's will. Tell me if I'm off track here, Father. Don't always look for God's will in the big decisions in life. Look for him in the momentary ones, because there's not a single part of your life, David, that is not extremely important to God. He cares about what you're going to have for lunch today. He cares about every moment, what you put on your, your feet to wear today. There's nothing about your life that's insignificant to him. And so just try to seek his... Be in his presence and, and just try to say... Uh, maybe I don't know what I'm supposed to do at this moment, God, but here's what I'm doing, so let me do it for your glory. Right, and that, that, that's, that's true for all of us. The will of God, you know, keep the commandments. You know, mm-hmm. the man asked Jesus, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And certainly, you know, keep the commandments is uh, a foundation of that. Or as Jesus says, you know, if you keep my commandments, uh, you are my friend. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So that's a way to know his will. That's true for all of us. And then we grow from there. And as we, we uh, draw closer to his, um, his commandments and the, the, what's obviously required you know, to love God, then he shows mm-hmm. us the more particular guidance a little more easily, too. David, did, the, did that help? Yeah, that's good. Okay. Well, thank you. God bless you. Dan, did you have something? Yeah, maybe just one thing uh, to mention, David, is um, be patient with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Especially when it comes to discerning things, uh, whether it's a vocational, Lord, what do you want to do big picture with my life, or simply what do you want me to do today, Lord? Uh, I think sometimes we... Uh, we can be we become impatient with ourselves and just a one example saint francis of assisi when he heard the lord say to him in prayer um rebuild my church and so saint francis set about to rebuild a dilapidated church that was in his town Mm -hmm. and uh it turns out that the lord meant something more significant than just to fix this particular building and uh so sometimes when we the first thing is through prayer Uh, that we begin to hear the Lord speak to us. Um, And then secondly, just simply to be patient um, with maybe we don't get it right. Mm -hmm. The the intention and the desire of your heart to serve God. uh, Thomas Merton says that that's actually pleasing to the Lord. Even he knows that we're fickle creatures that very often uh, think we hear something and it turns out maybe it wasn't it. So, David, uh, um, we're just going to pray for you quickly. Um, dear Lord, please help David uh, send him the right uh, people in, in his path to help him discern moment by moment what is your will. Through Christ our Lord, amen. amen. 
Damien's on the phone. Um, let's see. Damien, are you with us? Nope, we're just going to get to your question, hi. I think. Oh, hi there. You know, Damien, what's your question? Um, my question was, on the ark, when Noah had animals on the ark, how did he keep them from eating each other? Perfect. That's a great question. I've always wondered that, Father. Mm. That's a wonderful question. Well, I think there were two of each animal, is that right? Mm-hmm. And they loved each other. <laughs> so that was it. They were obedient to the Lord. Or maybe maybe Noah had chains, and he kept them you know, free. We, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know the real answer to that, Damien, but here's what I'm thinking is God had a plan, and he's in charge, and he's on the throne, and I think maybe he kept them from eating one another so that they could uh, get off of the ark and, and populate the earth. Does that make any sense, Damien? Yes. Okay. Well, thanks for calling. I appreciate hearing from you. How old are you? Um, I'm 10. 10. Excellent. Thank you, Damien, for listening to Real Presence Live. We appreciate that. And uh, thank you to all those who called in or wrote in with your questions. Uh, this segment is on at 9.30 Central Time every Monday through Friday. Father Daniel's father, Deacon John Weiske, joins us next as we talk about what it means to become a man on fire for your faith. And uh, later on in the show, we're going to dive into what, what is at the heart of God's design for marriage. So that's what's uh, coming up. Some good questions on Straight Talk. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it, Father Daniel? You did Always pretty good. good. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. But yeah, I think you were one of the top at- five in here. Top five in the room. Yeah, top five in the room. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Dan, you were so much. Father, close Son, to Holy that. Spirit. <laughs> That's right. Dan you gotta, Johnson and me. You gotta count all the persons. Right. All right. Uh, Father Daniel Weiske, I'm Dan Goshi, Deacon Dan Goshi. Stay tuned for Real Presence Live. <laughs> 